and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing Lenten practices. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Andrew, did your boys listen to you about convincing them to give up putting their hands on the window during Lent? <laughs> no, they won't do that. Why? Did you even ask? No. You're just not believing in them. I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, that's somewhat true. I don't believe. Well, they just do it without even thinking about it. Okay, I didn't ask you this on the last episode, but did you practice Lent growing up or with your family now? Have you ever practiced Lent? Yeah, I practiced Lent a little bit growing up because I grew up kind of in the Lutheran church. My dad was Catholic, so kind of in both. And so we did the whole like fish fries on Friday. Oh yeah, of course. (gasps) So I had to eat fish on Fridays, did that uh, for a while. And I don't think it was for sure every year. I'm not sure if I ever once made it the 40 days, but I remember (laughs) giving things up or trying to do certain things in Lent. And so I had a little bit of a practice back then. Then I had a Lenten hiatus for a while. Didn't okay. do anything with Lent. Because again, kind of what we talked about, I became a Christian in kind of a, a world that just didn't value some of that stuff. And so I just didn't practice it for a long time. And then the last two or three years have kind of regained it. So, so have- I'm a novice in it. Okay, but still, I mean, you have an experience. I remember I went to a fish fry with some friends in high school, and I thought it was great because I didn't like fish, but I liked it because it was fried and it was free. So you did like the fish? Yeah. Honestly, did you like it? I don't remember, but it's probably not that good of fish, is it? No, I mean, they're massive. But you loved it. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess if it's all fried. Yeah. I mean, I just was like, wow, this is cool. I just, I liked new experiences. So I thought it was interesting. We have gone to a couple here in Omaha that are just like giant parties, basically. Yeah. Lots of drinking, (laughs) lots of eating fish. It's just such, I, I don't, I don't really understand the fish fry. Do you get that? Is it just... The giving up of meat. Yeah, so they don't eat meat on Friday, so you eat fish, and then the church just like puts it on. But I think it's also probably for most places kind of a fundraiser, because I think you can either donate or it costs a little bit of money or whatever. Yeah. But the one that we went to most recently, a couple years ago, it was so packed. I mean, you stood in line for like an hour and a half to eat for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was wild. Mm -hmm. But people didn't care. Like that was the thing. You just go to it, and you're just hanging out and whatever. I know. I remember that, because we waited probably an hour and a half or two hours. And we were in high school, but we were watching all these parents just like filling up their mugs, their pitchers of beer. People were just hanging out. Oh yeah, it's a party. Yeah, it really was. So I was like, this is just, I don't know, just different. Okay, I did read something online, and I don't know if this is true, that people fast for the 40 days, but not on Sundays. Is that true? Yeah, I think it is technically a little over 40 days, but they don't fast. I think it might be 46 days, Oh, but they don't fast on Sundays. Why? Historically. Is that what you did when you observed Lent the last couple of years? I don't think so. Although okay. I'm remembering. I don't think so. But the one of the things is, so in that book I mentioned last time, The Good of Giving Up, the reason that he said that, which I never, I never knew that before until mm-hmm. I read this book last year. And he said that the reason is, is because Sundays are mini, every Sunday is a mini Easter. He said that it's this like resurrection hope that Christians have, which is why we gather together to worship and sing and hear from Jesus. 
that he's alive and we have hope. And so he said, there's no fasting on Sundays mm. because it's, it's a hope filled day. It's a feasting day for Christians. That's cool. And so I think that's what he said, but I had never heard that before that, uh, that people didn't fast on Sundays. It honestly, again, I'll be beating this Advent drum reminds me of what we did with our Advent guide. Well, the first year we had it just end with this cliffhanger of hope. And then on Sunday mornings, we would touch on that hope. So it'd be like the fulfillment at the end of the week. You'd be longing, longing, longing fulfillment. And then the full fulfillment was on Christmas Eve. But it's just cool. I just am, yeah, my mind's blown with how similar they are. How many things in life do you love more than Advent? It feels like not many, honestly. Probably like God and Kellen. Yeah. Oh, obviously. Yes. God and Kellen. I mean, Advent's close up there, I think. (laughs) I just get excited about it. And yeah, I, I also, though, I'm realizing how much I love learning. And the more I learn about God, the more I love him and the things that are connected, just like the podcast episode that's coming up over Pharaoh and snakes. You guys, that's going to be so good. It just makes me have a deeper appreciation when you get to see how everything's interconnected. I just think that's wild. Yeah. And I think one of the things of why Christianity can sometimes feel not that compelling or not that deep or why honestly, some people probably fade away from the church is because we've lost some of this depth to it. Like even, okay, even just what I said about uh, Sundays and thinking like these are like mini Easter's. Like we come together because our King has risen and he deserves worship and he deserves like us to come and listen to what he has for us to shape us. And as a community, we're feasting together on Sunday in community and worship to honor him, but to hear from him and to celebrate together. Mm. And then we go out throughout our week and we can again, in our context, kind of devalue Sundays. Do we need to go? Should we do these things? Whatever. And we kind of miss the fact that these Sundays are pivotal because Jesus is real, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. And we come together to celebrate that and hear what he has for us because he's actually there by his spirit, through his word, speaking and forming us. Mm -hmm. And if we have more robust traditions like that and meanings to things, I think it helps us have more of a compelling vision to what it means to live out this life with Jesus and together with his people. Oh, for sure. It reminds me, and I'll link this down in the description below, but when we talked about the importance of preparing for Sunday mornings and how we should approach Sunday mornings, it is just so pivotal and vital. And again, when we lose sight of that, we don't treat it like these mini Easter's or this exciting day where we get to gather together. It just becomes a rote ritual and routine, yeah. which the same thing with Lent, it can become a rote ritual and routine. And we don't want that in the last episode. I really hope personally and pray that you walked away with this idea that Lent doesn't need to be demonized because we don't normally practice it in the Protestant church. It's actually something that really could be helpful. But if you have a personal conviction or it wouldn't be helpful for you, don't observe it. We just want you to consider could this actually be helpful? Yeah. So maybe is it helpful in this episode just to give people some options? Again, this isn't like a, you have to do these things, but historically there's a handful of different practices that come along with Lent that Christians have found really helpful. So maybe we just kind of go through a handful of them. Yeah. So just to recap, Lent is a period of 40 days or 46, depending on when it starts with Ash Wednesday. I'm also still a novice at this. You've probably practiced it more than I have, Andrew. But no, you were doing it in high school. I mean, not well. Yeah, I actually felt like I did understand it See, in high school. you're the expert. No, that's not true. But anyway, Lent is a period of 40 days and in some churches or 
a lot of different churches that exclude Sundays, but it's marked by prayer, fasting, giving alms, which is like giving money or food to the poor. The 40 days is supposed to mirror Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness. And the idea behind Lent is that we as Christians are suffering and basically empathizing with Christ's suffering when he suffered leading up to the cross. And we're actually able to then hope for Easter Sunday, Easter morning, when Christ rose again and defeated death on our behalf. That was a good summary. Good job. Thanks. It was very long-winded. No, it was great. That's helpful. I was trying to help people set up the scene. I loved it. So if people want to consider practicing Lent, where do we start? What are some practices to help us? Personally, well, this isn't really answering your question. I think a book's really helpful to like lead you through whatever practice you decide to do. (laughs) So that. that is what I would say. I did, and I'll link this below as well, the 40 day sugar detox fast. This was really, it's not like a Lent thing, but it perfectly went with Lent. The 40 days, you have a devotional that leads you through each day. And it really did help me focus on Christ. And it was just so good to prepare my heart. Whereas when I've tried to do it without something guiding me or a community walking through it with me, I'm just, I just can't do it. So you'd recommend that one or do you have any other resources or things you'd suggest for people? I mean, that's the one that I really appreciated and I think is helpful because it directly attacks the thing that you are fasting from. And for me, it was sugar. Can people do it if they're not fasting from sugar? Yeah. So Kellen last year did it fasting TV. And so he read the book and he just replaced every time it said sugar with TV. He really liked it. And my father-in-law, mother-in-law, and sister-in-law all also read the book with me and loved it. They just, yeah, it was incredible for all of us. We grew spiritually in a lot of different ways. I do think one of the points there that's helpful is if you can do Lent in some sort of community, even if that's just you and your spouse or whole family, or if that's extended family or like a small group or something, if you can do it in some sort of community, it's really, really helpful. And I think I even talked to a couple guys last year who we weren't really doing it together that much, but multiple people said, I wish that I was doing this like in a group and just, I think there's some fruit that can come from that in helpful ways. I thought you did it with a community of people, like your city group or something. Cause I remember being salty with you. Cause I was like, what the, Hey, you invited oh, all yeah. these people to do Lent with you and not I Kellen and you, myself. I didn't think you did Lent. Lame. Uh, but I mean, it you're was right. Good we didn't did do <laughs> something different, <laughs> but I've oh, literally been so salty. Like what the, Hey, <laughs> well, okay. You're kind of right. Are we having all this on the podcast? Yeah. You are right. Uh, I, we did do it kind of together, but it wasn't like we met every week and we're talking about, you know, what we give up, what the Lord's doing. It was more so just, there was a handful of couples. You're right. All right. I, as I'm saying Lame. this, I understand there's a few people. <laughs> all right. Are we all going to do Lent together this no, year? No, stop. But, but anyway, keep going, keep going. <laughs> but you guys did it together and it was helpful. It seemed like, because you're able to just partner together. And look, if I had been in on that, I wouldn't have been able to do the sugar fast with my family and in-laws. No, you, well, I guess, yeah, that's so true. Good. But you could have, I mean, cause everyone did different stuff. It was just, Yeah, you're trying to encourage one another in it, partially because I think there's beauty. God designs us for community. So most things you do, I think it's really good to do in community. Yeah. 
The way you're looking at right now. So upset. Do you want to do London together this year? I don't know. I'll have to think wow. about it. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> no, I do think community is just so good. And actually, a gal in the church had reached out to me about doing it. And that even knitted our friendship closer together because we were able to do it together, pray for each other. And one of the mornings, I went over there early before her kids got up and we just prayed and prayed that the Lord would help us during that season as we fasted sugar because it was really hard for both of us. And that was so special, being able to get up early, meet with her, pray. It was just so fun. I mean, God was just so good during all of that. It was just yeah. awesome. So it's a 40-day period. You mentioned fasting. That's probably the one that most people think about. Give just a quick snapshot. There's a few other practices we'll mention, but just on fasting, why is that a part of Lent and why should people consider it? Yeah. So it's traditionally part of Lent because it's supposed to mirror or unite you as a Christian with the suffering of Christ. And so as Christ suffered leading up to his death on the cross, so we suffer through fasting and giving up what we would normally indulge in. And we suffer knowing that Christ also suffered but when he was resurrected, we actually get to celebrate. And for Christians, we get to celebrate on Easter Sunday, or if you practice it where it is a fast until Sunday mornings and your mini little Easter's, so to speak, on that day, you get to celebrate that death has been overcome, that you can indulge again in sugar, and yeah, that you just get to celebrate the beautiful blessing, same way that we would celebrate Christ's resurrection. Not really the same way, but in a very small sense. Yeah. Yeah, and fasting, again, is so good because it is a core need that our body has. So whatever you fast, whether it's a certain day each week throughout Lent or the thing for 40 days or however you structure that, again, you're, we're talking about not like laws you have to follow, yeah. but fast something in a way that works for you, but that is challenging enough where you feel like I have given this thing mm -hmm. up and I feel it, Whatever, however that looks like for you. It really is. It does something inside of you because you do need food or something like sugar where your body, if you're so used to eating it, will crave it or you crave those foods that you normally have or you have routines of, you know, on Friday nights we go out and we get dessert or whatever. And, and so there's routines in your life that you're now saying no to. There is a power to doing that really in all of life. And Lent's just a great opportunity to experience what that's like to give that up as you long for a, a, another day. Yes, but you have to do it well because so many times I feel like it's easy to start fasting something and then just replace it with scrolling more on social media or not actually pray and be like, okay, Lord, I'm fixing my eyes on you during this. And that's something you can fall privy to during Lent as well. When you fasted from sugar last year, what was the biggest thing that you like could tell you were gonna turn to? Was it like a type of food or some sort of comfort when it's like, oh, I want sugar okay, I'm going to go do this. Like, what were you turning to to kind of fill that? Like, I feel like I've given this up and I don't know if I want to or can. That's a good question. Honestly, it was just control in keeping our house a certain way. And so when I wanted to eat sugar, I would be frustrated and kind of like irritated. And then I would just start angrily cleaning or just getting things done. And I'd be like, no, Kellen, we have to have this clean now. Like, I just, I needed to have control over something because I realized Sugar just allowed me to have control or I would just not know how to cope with my emotions. Like it sounds ridiculous, but when I was sad, I'd eat sugar, tired, sugar, happy, sugar. Like that was how I rewarded myself. Yeah. And so it really was so hard. 
I think the hardest part at the end was by day 30, I didn't really crave it anymore. And so I didn't think about it quite as much. And so reading my devotional was helpful because I just was kind of over it a little bit. And so that was helpful in keeping my eyes fixed on Christ and not just ignoring it, honestly. Well, I think that's a huge maybe side encouragement here is whatever you do give up, when you start to feel those emotions or those cravings, it would be helpful to reflect on or just write down somewhere mm-hmm. of like what you do turn to or what you're feeling yeah, because good. there's something in the act of giving something up that you're now dependent on and what emotions follow that? Like what comes? Is it just like anger? Is it control? Like I just need this. Is it, well, I'm just, you know, I remember this wasn't for Lent, but I at one point uh, took social media off my phone and I didn't really notice it, but I all I just switched to like the ESPN app and I was like scrolling things. I didn't really notice that I was replacing that with some sort of like, I just don't want to be bored and just sit and think. And I didn't really, you know, that wasn't really my reason for doing social media, but it helped me realize something about why, when was I going on that? Why was I going on it? Same thing with Lent. If you fast something, just take note. And, and I think that's important because it's not then just checking off, I did Lent. It's allowing God to speak into something, maybe showing you something, maybe healing something, maybe helping you repent from something. Yeah. But that actually allows God to meet you in that space rather than just, yes, I made it. And that's a good thing. If you make it 40 days with whatever fast you choose, that's awesome. But I think there might be a little bit more if you take stock of what's coming along with this fast and take that to Jesus and then just see if he wants to do something with that. Yes, that's great. Okay, also, you said fasting is not the only thing you could do. What could you do instead of fasting during Lent? I don't know if I would say instead. I think fasting oh. should be a part of it, but there are other historic practices. So one is you mentioned giving, like alms giving is the historical word, but it's essentially just, again, giving up something that is yours or something that you feel like ownership of, which again, in fasting, that's food, and you're giving up this control that you have over what you can eat. Uh, or in this way, it's also relating to Christ in that he gave up of himself. Mm. In Second Corinthians, it says that although he was rich, he became poor in order to help out those uh, who needed him, obviously. We, we understand that as the story of the gospel. In a way, whether it's with finances or some sort of resources, Christians historically have practiced either giving more in this season uh, or actually giving like practical things, like finding ways of getting rid of some stuff to bless somebody else and also remind ourselves that we don't need maybe all the different materials or things in this life. But it's just another way, again, of helping us see that we can give some of that stuff in some ways to help preach to ourselves and in some ways to bless others, which is the heart of Lent. That's what Christ did, is he came in order that he might give himself to help raise up others. It's a virtue that Christians should have is generosity and giving to those in need. This is just a time where you can creatively and intentionally aim that towards something specifically where you can either give to the poor, help out in some different ways, release some material things to help other people. Um, but that's a, been one that I think is also probably yeah. really formational for us. That's cool. I listened to a podcast yesterday over Lent and the pastor on there said that, yeah, you could ask God how you could serve him actively instead of giving up food. So if you think okay, well, normally my Saturdays are the days that I sleep in. What if I go serve at the Open Door Mission every single Saturday? And I was like, oof, because sometimes time is hard to just give, Mm -hmm. but I like that and I feel like that's helpful. Or the idea of purging actual items from your home. And that was one of the weeks in the 
sugar detox book. It has you like purge a couple of items that you just mm. don't need. And I was confused as to why they did that, but that makes sense. Yep. It's just, and again, it, it's all about giving something up for a greater benefit. And so whether it's fasting and you're giving up this control of food, uh, or it's actually giving up of resources, which could be time, money, actual materials, like physical things, but it's giving that up of yourself for the good of others. The other one, maybe I'll mention is historically Christians have had this be a a heavy time of prayer Mm. and specifically within prayer, like confession, that that's been a big aspect, obviously, as you're leading toward Easter weekend, which begins with Good Friday, where you notice and observe why Christ died and his death and what that means because of our sin. This is a season where, again, you give up any sense of like self-righteousness that we have, any sense of uh, hiddenness of sin, any sense of like living in this darkness, whatever that is, which we all have, whether it's, you know, arrogance or insecurities, whether it's things that we've never told anybody, things that, it, well, if we tell people, what's I going to do to my image or people's view? Like, again, you're giving all of that over to the Lord and you're acknowledging and prepping your heart to say, I actually desperately need this weekend, this Easter weekend, that his resurrection isn't just that something, you know, that I I did my part, now God, you know, I get to celebrate that. But it really is a, I'm giving up because I need Christ and what he's given to me more than anything else in the world. Food helps us see that. Giving up of resources helps us see that. Giving up of those sins that are inside of us and actually confessing those to people, to the Lord, actually helps us also prepare for receiving the work of Christ on Friday and then his resurrection on Sunday. Hmm. How would you lead people through confession or making confession a regular part of their practice during Lent? Two things. One, I think vertically to the Lord, I would, one of the things I did last year and it actually just stuck. This is just what I do now is in the mornings. I just take a few seconds or minutes before. I mean, it literally is like sometimes 10 seconds, sometimes a few minutes uh, where I'm just asking him to help reveal anything in me. Uh, If there are known sins, I'm just writing those out and just getting that out of like confessing. I want to as best I can every day to not live with like hidden sins that are just weights within me. So I'm both like saying what I do know and I'm asking him, hey, if there's anything that I, you know, spoke wrongly to somebody or I've been doing this or I'm clinging on to this and I shouldn't be, that's just a space where I'm asking God, will you reveal that? I want to get that out right now. So that's kind of the vertical element where I'm just journaling that. I'm doing that with the Lord. But also I think there's some practical ways that it's really helpful to confess to one another. Um, So there were times for Bailey and I where we just had a number of conversations throughout of just confession of just, this is where I'm at. This is what's hard about this, like why I'm craving this or things would come up. And I was just in more of a state of being aware of my sin and trying to confess it quickly that again, you do that for 40 days, it's something that's going to stick. So if you have a spouse or a couple roommates, the other thing is obviously at Providence, we do what we call huddles, which are, you know, groups of three or four ish, uh, of the same gendered uh, people in usually in one a city group that they get into these huddles and one of the practices is that we want to confess sin so I would just make that an emphasis maybe for these six weeks or if you're not in a huddle maybe consider asking two other people hey for six weeks would you want to once a week do a phone call or grab some time we meet up at night or in the morning and and we're just going to try to confess some of those things and I think it's just really healthy there's there's power in doing that to the Lord. And there's also power, you know, when I confess sin to somebody, 
there's a way that I can not receive in a new way, but experience God's forgiveness through somebody that has power when you hear it from somebody's mouth that Christ has forgiven us. And when I experience it from someone, the forgiveness is coming my way. It's a physical kind of display of what is actually happening with the Lord. So there's some power there. And last thing I would say, sorry, is if you're actually sinning against people, make it a practice during Lent to actually go and ask forgiveness of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we can sit and be like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that to that person. God, please forgive me. Or maybe I'll even tell my huddle, like, you know, I really, I said a couple of things behind my boss's back. I shouldn't have done that, whatever. And you confess that, they say you're forgiven and you're done. Make Lent a practice where if you sin against someone, you actually go to them and say, hey, this is what I did. I'm really sorry. Like I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? Uh, and just build that in. That's a practice we should always have. Hmm. But the church calendar gives us certain seasons where you get to kind of strengthen muscles that maybe we don't always practice. And so in Lent, I would consider practicing actual asking of forgiveness of, of yeah. real people that you sin against. That's good. And it's so humbling, but it makes me think <laughs> about how Christ was humbled as he, I mean, he was just humble in general, but the fact that he had such a humble, lowly death, you are also... I don't know. My brain just goes to we are mimicking Christ in that as we're humbly asking for forgiveness. Yeah. And I think experiencing both forgiveness from somebody and in the Lord that it what all those things do. So if you, you know, are guided through fasting and confession and giving and you get to Good Friday, there's something about the power of like what you just said. Like that's all about Christ giving up of his life, his body. Like he totally is spent on the cross. And that's just what you've done six weeks of trying to mimic. And it can give the power to that night of your your relation to that night in Christ. Mm. I think both in experiencing his forgiveness and also just experiencing unity in a small way with him. And then you get to Sunday morning where you experience the resurrection hope of all those things that, you know, one day in heaven, there is no, there's no fasting. There's only feasting. In heaven, there is no poor that needs help. Like it is just this community of love that in heaven, you're fully new and redeemed and there is no confession of sin that all these things are for a season, but resurrection is what lasts. It just makes that whole weekend kind of explode, I think, in a lot of ways with meaning and depth and worship. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. But we know that this is a process that is new for a lot of people. And you might have never practiced it or have different connotations with it. We just want you to have an open mind. And if God is nudging you or leading you to practice Lent this season, we would love to answer any questions, reach out. There's also links below with helpful resources. But again, we're just praying that this is helpful as you look to Christ and look more like him. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Please like this, rate it, review it, share it so that it can get out to more people. If you have any questions, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.